Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Last week, Pastor Craig started a series that's probably, I know some of you have heard me preach before, you're going to roll your eyes, because I think I say this every time, but it's probably one of my favorite series. Uh, I, I really enjoy our series on legacy. Uh, he kicked off our series talking about um, our, some of our local mission partners. And legacy, if you're new, there's, been, there's some uh, cards on the seats when you walked in. Uh, if you didn't bring one home yesterday with your family or last week with your family, you can grab one today. Uh, please just take kind of one for family because it's a family thing. We'll get into that today is why it's not just individual if you do live with other people. Um, but legacy is a time and a season where we intentionally schedule and plan to look at some of the things that we do outside of just the Sunday morning or our own ministries. Because someone was asking me, like, well, you know, why isn't youth on, on some of the legacy stuff or this or that? And that stuff happens, and that's great, and that's, that's, that's what we do week in and week out. Um, but there's other things that our church does. There's a rich, rich heritage of Horizon Church or Back in the Day Bible Fellowship, Open Bible Chapel of this house that is involved with, invested in things outside of just us. And legacy is this time where we get to look at some of the local partners, regional partners, and next week, global partners uh, that we give to. And we talk about a legacy offering. That money isn't so that I can get a new office. That money doesn't, no, I keep the lights on. Or if you went into the kids' wing today to stop the plumbing from flooding, um, it's all good. It's all good. It's taken care of. But if you go to pick up your kids, you'll notice there's some pipe and drape. If you don't want wet shoes, don't walk in the pipe and drape. Um, But that money goes to invest in things outside of this house. It's one of the things I love about legacy. And for us today, I'm going to focus on some of our regional partners as we go through our, our passage. And if you wonder what that is, our primary way to leave a legacy of transformation in our region and in our nation is through planting churches, campuses, or through strategic partnerships. What does that mean? It means the way that we're going to reach Coquitlam, the way that we reach Princeton, the way that we reach other places, understand we're limited, but we will partner with people, we'll plant churches, because statistically it says in Canada, the best way to reach unchurched people is through church plants. And so one of the hearts of Horizon Church and the, the heritage here is that we don't have to have our name stamped on everything, that we'll partner with most people who name the name of Jesus and want to reach lost people. Say, hey, what do you need? Do you need money? Do you need accounting help? Do you need pastoral support? Whatever it is, our accounting team's like, yes, we can't help everyone with that, but we'll help as many as we can. Um, but that's what our regional mission is. And today's sermon, if you're taking notes, you can write down just simply people of legacy. People of legacy. And I love getting to preach that here because in the eight years that I've gotten the privilege to be a part of this community, we are people of legacy. You can't hear the story of Horizon Church without hearing of the generations that came before us. You can't hear the heart of the leadership team without thinking of the generations that are to come after us. When we sit and hear the stories, we are people of legacy. And one of the reasons I love legacy might be because I'm a, a young dad. And so legacy is something that I'm thinking about a little bit. I'm, I love my first name, Daniel, but I love more than that, my last name, Eliason. To me, it carries a little bit of weight. You know, I've never yet met an Eliason who's a vegan. 
And I'm not saying that's right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm just saying there's a distinctive that comes with the last name Eliason. There's some pride. It speaks to what I came from. There's lots of parts of what it means to be an Eliason that I actually didn't even choose. My wife, Katie, found that out when she married into the Eliason family. She knew me in Portland, but she didn't know all of what being an Eliason in Canada, the true North blessed, meant. And so when we moved back up here, she's like, oh, there's more to being an Eliason. There's there's a legacy. There's There's some distinctives that are carried through the last name Eliason. And as I begin to think of my kids, of Zoe and Wyatt, when I think of legacy, I don't just think of hopefully what I can leave them one day when I die. I think of what am I giving them today as I live? What are the things that they're catching? The nights like worship. And hear me, I know it's a sacrifice when you're like, okay, bedtime's normally 6.30. This ends at 8. That means we're not getting home till 8.30, whatever bedtime. Like, yeah, it's a sacrifice. But legacy means my daughter is going to see her father lift his hands in worship and know that God is worth it. That my children are going to know and grow up in the house of the Lord and understand, that, yeah, we sacrifice for certain things. That's legacy. That's, that's who we are. See, thoughts of what I'm passing on to my children. But it's interesting in our culture today and age, I'm a little bit nervous when it comes to legacy. Because in this immediate culture, a culture of individualistic culture that only really sees self, and a culture that wants things, a presentism, that things need to happen right now, I wonder if we miss things that we should be doing now that will affect 50 years from now, 70 years from now. I wonder if the thinking of, I'm going to invest my life here and now so people long after me can walk in the fruits of the things that I planted. Legacy. It speaks to something bigger. It speaks to something we're a part of. It it, it causes you to lift your eyes out of your own situation. And hear me, legacy is about so much more than money. So much more than an offering. See, we have a culture that doesn't understand this generational thinking, yet when you come to Jesus and his teaching, you can't get away from the idea that when Jesus calls someone to something, it's so much bigger than them and it outlasts them. Hebrews, is, Hebrews chapter 11 is a full of a list of heroes of the faith that never got to see the fruits of what they planted, but they had eyes of faith. They saw it in their spirit, so they acted in the natural, but they never got to see the fruit. Their great, great, great grandchildren did. Legacy. You can't even understand who God is in the Old Testament without understanding it's the God of who? Abraham, Isaac, and Yeah. He was a general. That was literally one of the descriptors of who he was. This is who our God is. He does things through the generations. He does things through legacy. And that's why this, the title of our series, Legacy, an unchanging mission for an ever-changing world. This gets me fired up. Because I, sometimes I think maybe I was born in the wrong generation. I tend to be a little bit more country than city and a little bit more old school. But when the things are changing so fast all around us, a little bit of anxiety can begin to come up inside of my heart. But thankfully, we belong to an unchanging mission. That although I may need to learn how to use Zoom properly, I don't need to relearn the mission of God every time there's a change. 
And this not only speaks to Horizon, we're called to be a diverse community of Jesus followers transforming lives, families, neighborhoods, and nations. It also speaks to the mission of the people of God all the way from Abraham, all the way through. The plan was always of God's covenant people, whoever he would welcome into relationship, who said yes to that, was so that they would be blessed, not just to be happy and blessed, but they would pass faith on to the next generation of their biological line, but also that the nations of the world would look at them and be like, my God, that's what it looks like to love and be loved by Yahweh. My goodness, that's what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom of God. Our lives are meant to be a sign, a billboard that speaks of legacy, which brings us to our passage today. It's one of my favorite ones. Not necessarily, it's a great story, but I think there's a lot of things when it comes to legacy that we can get into. A bit of a background if you're new to church or maybe you haven't read the Old Testament in a while, all good. Abraham is kind of a main player in the Old Testament when it comes to uh, Israel and God's people. And Genesis chapter 12, Abraham gets call of God. He's gonna have this incredible plan, purpose, huge lineage and, and legacy. His one guy's gonna turn to a nation only problem was he didn't have kids at the time, but, and he was getting pretty old. But hey, God gives him this plan, and his first uh, son of, from his wife, Sarah, the promised son, is Isaac. And Isaac is who we're talking about now. This is years later. Uh, Abraham is quite old. Uh, Sarah, his mom, had died. And there's uh, this little bit of a snapshot of what's happening. They are just kind of living in tents. They're sojourners. And so they don't have a natural city. They're just kind of waiting for this promise, being obedient to what God's called them to. And we pick it up in uh, Genesis chapter 26, uh, verses 1 to 5, and then verse 12. It says, now there was a famine in the land. Famine means um, there was no food, okay? Besides previous famine in Abraham's time. And we, what's interesting here, that seems like a little bit of an add-on. It's actually pretty comical, if you were to read it all together, how Abraham and his process to be called and the promises and the temptations that he went through is very similar to Isaac. The verses we're not going to read together, Isaac did the same thing his father did by saying his wife was his sister and went to a foreign place and someone almost took his wife. And like, it's just some weird inbred family stuff. That's how you know the Bible's true because if someone was making this sucker up to try and convince you, they wouldn't include Abraham and Isaac pretending their wives were their sisters and almost sleeping with another guy and weird things happening, right? But this is the humanity in the Bible. <laughs> Anita knows. Uh, and Isaac went to Abimelech, same king that his father did, to the Philistines in Gera. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not Go down to Egypt in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while and I will be with you and I will bless you for you and your descendants. I will give you these lands and will confirm oh, the prophetic is here. I didn't even ask for that. That's fantastic. Deeply needed it though. Thank you, Pastor Mike. I will give you these lands and I will confirm the oath I swore to your father, Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I will give them as these lands, and through your offspring, all nations of the earth will be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me and did everything I required of him, keeping my commandments, my decrees, and my instructions. In verse 12, after we hear the weird story about wife, sister, king, all that stuff, it says, Isaac planted crops in that land and in the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord had blessed him. 
And I want to look at this. I, I think when we look at this story, we see a beautiful picture of what legacy is. I, I kind of, there, there's three kind of different stories happening here. There's three aspects. So today we're going to look at three things that people of legacy do. There's three stages of this story that we want to look at. And first, we want to look at Isaac. If he was going to be, say yes to being a person of legacy, he had to learn how to receive legacy. The first step, the first thing that people of legacy do, they understand it doesn't start with them. Legacy is something you receive. It is not something that you just decide, oh, I want to do what I want or do this. I, I mean, unless you're starting your own legacy, which we're going to talk about in a second. You see, he says, don't go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land which I tell you. In Genesis 26, this moment where Isaac, he is yet to receive this type of call, this type of blessing. As we read it, it reminds us of Genesis chapter 12 of descendants and blessing and stars and this, where we see that what was given and promised to Abraham is now making its way to the next generation and landing with Isaac, which is incredible. This is awesome. But there was a catch. With the blessing came a demand for obedience. Because what would have been logical if I'm Isaac, I got family, there's a famine, and a famine meant that they already tried for a season and were unsuccessful, and they maybe had a little bit left to sow, but they're like, this maybe will just get us to Egypt where there is no famine, life will be better, I can get a job there, we can work this out. It was the responsible thing to do from the outward appearance. It was logical, it was what everyone else was doing. It wasn't like he was the only one that thought to go to Egypt. There was probably a little bit of people going there. The famine was drawing people to this place where the food was a little bit more available. And then comes this crossroad moment where Isaac had to stop and understand and decide, am I going to live my life based on how I see fit, based on my needs and what I want to do? Or... Am I going to say yes to this much greater legacy that my father was a part of, this much greater promise that God, Yahweh, wants to do with me? That's a no-brainer. But with it comes, if you want that, don't go to Egypt. Stay in the land. We see that legacy is an incredible thing to come become a part of, but you need to understand what it is you're saying yes to. When you receive legacy... You say yes to no longer being in control. The question for us, are we willing to surrender your control to be a part of something much bigger than yourself? It says, I will establish the oath that I swore to your father, Abraham. It wasn't just going to be about Isaac. Even we referred to it this morning, it was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's number two, doesn't get to be number one. When we talk about legacy, are we willing to be a part of something that's bigger than us? What does that mean? It's exciting to be a part of big things. A lot's going on. It's fantastic. But in the midst of big things, you're not the only thing. In the midst of big things going here, and it might be so big what we're called to be a part of, you might not get to see the fruit of what you're planting. I think of in this room, Violet Kitely, who is a widowed single mother, planted a church in a day and age where single women or widows did not plant churches. But she saw something in her spirit that God had called her to be a part of something bigger than herself. And she didn't get to see this. Today, she didn't get to meet Mark, my neighbor. She didn't get to meet Justine. 
but the fruit that she saw in her spirit. She says, listen, I'm willing to be a part of something bigger, but I promise you, saying yes to the promise dictated the decisions of her life. When you're part of legacy, there's things that come along with that. For Isaac to walk in the call, what God had called him to, he first had to be willing to accept and receive that he was part of something much bigger than himself. Genesis 12, 3, Abraham gets the call. Genesis 26, 4, Isaac gets the call. The call of legacy to Abraham, as well as God's covenant people, was to be an example to the world. Like I talked about, that blessing and everything else to the nations of the world, God wanted to let people know how good it was to be in covenant relationship with Yahweh. And that, not just blessing, not because we can read this verse and we think like, oh, the blessing was just for the crops and the drought. No, that was temporal. That was a moment. That was easy for God. He's saying, listen, there's you and you got two sons. I'm going to turn you into millions of people and a nation that's going to show my glory to the world. God was seeing so much more, but they needed to stay in the land where God had called them to be. See, the nations of the world were meant to see Israel and understand what it was like to belong to Yahweh. We see later, fast forward to Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount. He's talking about what does it mean to be a part of my kingdom as followers of Jesus. Matthew 5, 16 says, let your good works be seen before man. Not that they would glorify you, but they might see them. And in doing, seeing them, they would glorify your Father. What does it mean to be a part of the unchanging mission of God? And how you raise your children should show and shout the glory of Jesus. How you work and how long of lunch periods you take and, and what you do or you don't or, or how you drive um, or lots of other, like, it gets messy. It gets, your decision to adopt rather than have biological children shout the glory of Jesus. Your decision to stick it out in your marriage and fight when there was an affair or fight when there's infidelity speaks to the redeeming power of Jesus. Your decision to raise the kids the way you feel God is asking you to raise them should shout the glory of Jesus. How you handle your finances. See, if you're not in the room, you miss some of the great joys of the Lord. Um, but how we live, Matthew 5, let your good works, the things that you do, you shouldn't have to say anything, although there's times to say things and explain, but it shows the goodness of God. This is what it means to be part of legacy. When you say yes to Jesus, you are saying yes to a life that is bigger than you. A life where you no longer call the shots. People of legacy understand that what they are called to is bigger than them. And we talk about our regional partners. A couple that come to mind is we have Hindi Christian Fellowship with Shell and Sunila. One of our, look there up on the screen, just beautiful there. Some of our regional partners that planted a church for new immigrants to Canada, largely Hindi immigrants, because they need to know the goodness of the gospel. And they planted church to be faithful to, to reach a people group that maybe wasn't being reached. They understood that saying yes to Jesus meant saying yes to something that was bigger than them. We can throw them back up on the screen a little bit. Yeah, look at that. I can wave at them. It's fantastic. Technology. But speaking of technology, not only in their church, but then they're on Hindi radio stations reaching people in online ministry. 
This is one of the reasons I love giving to, to legacy offering. It's one way that I get to engage with some of this stuff. We get to be wind in the sail to some of these other partners that are going on. Or Wade Truth Life Church. It's one of our nethers that planted uh, in 2016. They kind of started, but kind of really planted uh, the last few years with Pastors Rita and Dilgesh. If you've ever talked to Pastor Rita for three seconds, you know that her entire life is about loving Jesus and forcing you to love him as well, right? <laughs> like, there's no questions, there's no asking. Like, again, the mission statement of the church is we will reach the lost at any cost. She understands because she had a very profitable, a very uh, public, uh, prestigious position in radio and different stuff and acting before she met Jesus. And when she met Jesus, Saying yes to being part of something bigger, the family of God, meant certain decisions in her life. Meant moving to Canada. It meant directing and ordering her life differently because people of legacy understand that what they're a part of is bigger than them. And not only receiving, we understand when we receive Jesus, it's great to receive his love. It's great to receive forgiveness. But with that salvation also comes lordship. Where he says, hey, I love you too much to let you go continue to break and ruin your life that way. So this is how I created your life to function. So there's wholeness, so there's healing, so that we are close, that we can talk. And your life can be a sign to those around you that I am a good God who loves you. Who has a plan for you to show what it's like to be loved and to love God. But it's not just receiving that, because that would be great. Oh, awesome, I received that, we get to be a part of things, fantastic. Second is Isaac had to be a steward of this legacy. It wasn't just receiving it, it was stewardship. Three things people of legacy do. They receive legacy, but they also steward legacy. It says that there was a famine in the land, but he was called the sojourn in this land, which meant he didn't get to go build his own house or find his own place. He was meant to just hold on for a second. And you know what's really interesting about this? He was meant to sojourn. But then a couple generations later, his son Jacob has a son named Joseph. And Joseph goes, I mean, it wasn't through the best circumstances, but he finds his way to Egypt. And we see that that actually preserved the bloodline of Jesus. So sometimes it's a timing issue. Understanding you're part of legacy means that we don't call the shots, but there's a part that we actually have to play. Isaac received an incredible promise, but a step of obedience came with that promise. A promise of blessing and legacy of children inhabiting the land, but Isaac didn't get to inhabit it. He had to sojourn in the land. A promise of blessing of plenty, but Isaac had to take the last that he had and sow in a season of drought, having faith that, God, you're going to make a way, and I don't understand it, but you're just going to make a way. You see, if Isaac didn't sow, the legacy would have ended with him. This was not an easy task to sow in the middle of drought. But you see, people of legacy understand that what they are called to is bigger than them, but they also have a part to play. That it's not just about some big cosmic thing out there that, oh, God will just do. It's not fatalism that, okay, if I just show up and do my things, God will do this, and I get to be part of the kingdom of God, and it's fancy, and it's fantastic, and I can ask God for help when I need it, and apparently I'm going to be blessed, and that's super good, and, you know, once in a while I'll serve when I need to, no, no, like, what you're a part of started before you and will be going on long after you. But friends, hear me, you have a part to play. That legacy can't end with you. Idle hands kill legacy. 
What is it that God is asking you to do in this moment? You see, oftentimes stewarding well the legacy God has called us to simply looks like listening and obeying despite what you're seeing. For men, can I speak to you for a second? Being men of legacy means that we don't always, oh, I know better, I, I think we need to do this, I'm just, this is what just needs to happen and just kind of going ahead with the plan or whatever culture sets. What I love about this room is there's so many stories of men that have said, I don't understand why God asked me to do this, but he said to do this, and I'm being faithful to do this. The stories of faithfulness to say yes and obey Jesus sets a legacy of honoring God. Your children are watching. Your employees are watching. Your bosses are watching. Women in the room. Legacy doesn't mean just going on with whatever the latest blogger says or, or the pressures of life or, or oh, I got to measure up and this and that because the glass ceiling's been broken. So now I, I have to, I have to. And with all these new have tos, there's tons of anxiety. Can I say that you are called to be only who Jesus has called you to be? Be free in that. There's legacy in that when there is a confidence and a, a okayness in your heart. You say, this is what God has called my life to be about. It doesn't have to be what you say it's supposed to be. This is what God has asked me to do. When I think of stewardship, I think of Pastor Carl, a friend of this house with Foe's Church. Pastor Carl grew up in a very traditional church like you'd see. But as he began to follow Jesus, he goes, ah, there was something in his heart that began to stir for people that maybe wouldn't find themselves into a room like this. As he would say, uh, their church is, is kind of built around and, and for uh, spiritual nomads, which you can ask him really what that means. Because um, he he's very intellectual and sometimes I don't understand it. But people who maybe been hurt by church or maybe wouldn't find their way into church or maybe thought that, oh man, there's the, the lie that they believe. Again, not that they're worse. All of us believe lies of the enemy. Let's not kid ourselves. All of us believe things that aren't true. But maybe the lie that they believe is that I would never be accepted in church. I don't believe that to be true, but maybe that's their hang-up. And so to try and create that. Felt called to plant a church in September 2019. Stepped out to plant with a few people, Foe's Church, to be an expression that would reach people that maybe aren't being reached. Then come 2020, and he's church planting in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. Talk about reaching people that, oh God, how am I supposed to do this in a different way? Now you're doing it all online. But we see this beautiful story of online actually enabled them to reach people across the nation pretty effectively. And they're continuing to do that. And at the end of today, just so you're aware, I'm not going into all the details. If you're on our email list, you're actually going to get an email with all the different praise reports and prayer reports, updates of all our regional partners. If you're not on that, you can go to horizonfam.ca and connect. And there's a way to sign up for our e-blast so you can get that. But I love, it didn't quite look like he thought, but there was something that Carl felt God had called him to, so he took a step to say, hey, this isn't going to look like the way I saw it, but God, you're calling me to stand. Despite what I think I should do, it's what you're calling me to do, people of legacy. See, stewarding legacy means sowing into legacy. Stewarding what God has called us to, there's a part that you have to play. Temptation during seasons of hardship, drought, and darkness is to take your eyes off of the mission and focus it just on your situation. If I can be a little bit vulnerable with you this morning, this last season has done that with me. There's seasons where my, my hope and my faith to reach the nations and reach the students of Surrey and just go and do this got a little bit curb stomped 
by having to go on Zoom for a year and a half straight. Or trying to encourage people to do it. And it just seems like the passion, the drive that used to be there, just, God, well, what's going on? And it would be very easy just to be like, oh, just this is what it is. But I have to stop and remind myself, God, what have you called me to? What is the unchanging mission that you've called my family to, that you've called our church to in an ever-changing world? And sowing my responsibility sometimes is to kick myself in my own pants and say, Daniel, smarten up. You know who your God is. You know what to do. Don't be led by your emotions. Your heart is exceedingly wicked and deceitful. What does the word of God say? And I begin to sow in my conversations, in my quiet time, in my thought life, in my finances, into the things that I know build legacy. And I speak to myself. And I speak to my spirit. Say, take hope in God. And it's a battle, but people of legacy understand. Abraham had his opportunity to focus when he was asked to sacrifice the only son he had. There was a moment to say, this doesn't make sense. I'm not going to sow. Isaac had this opportunity in Genesis chapter 26. Later we see that legacy got passed on because in Exodus 32, Moses has this opportunity where the children of Israel are there and God's going crazy. I'm going to wipe them out. I'm going to start with you. And he's like, think about that. God's like, hey, it's not going to be the God of Abraham anymore. It's going to be the God of Moses. If you're thinking about yourself, you're like, all right. What does Moses say? He goes, no. Because the legacy that you started, the promise, don't forget your promise to Abraham. In the moment that he was hitting, the people that he was leading, the frustrations, he didn't lose sight of the unchanging promise. Later, Joseph, my goodness. You think you could ever lose sight of a dream? After almost 30 years of being beaten up and imprisonment, you got it when you were a teenager, you're in your 30s, and now it's just coming to fruition? Or Jesus? The people you came to save are sitting here picking up stones and whips and rocks and throwing them at you and kind of want to crucify you? Life, the promise of Jesus, one we don't like to look at all the time, will bring you troubles. But people of legacy understand that this is a moment, but I'm called to something beyond this moment. So how I live and how I steward my reactions, how I steward my heart, how I steward my finances, what I sow into, there's a responsibility I have even if the situation or the climate or the market or the interest rates aren't quite there. Now hear me, I, I just need to say this. And I know Pastor Craig says, so I can say this, please don't hear this legacy series as, oh, it's tough, Pastor. Why don't you just talk about something else? Why we plan each year a season of generosity, a plan specifically for legacy, is because I know what it does to our hearts. We know what it does to our hearts about our life because if you're not careful, you will go year after year after year and all of a sudden you're in some place very different than where maybe God had called you to. This year, unfortunately, I was at the funeral of one of my uncles. And my brother was sharing. And he just began to talk about some of the things. He said this line, and it was a beautiful moment, because I think my family was the only family that believed in Jesus, and about 100 people there, and it was a great opportunity to share the gospel. And just began to talk about some of his life, and he goes, so often, we don't stop to evaluate the things that really matter in our lives like this until it's too late. Why do we do legacy? So that at least once a year, you have a chance to stop, to evaluate what in the last 11 months your life has been building. What have you been sowing into? Please hear me, this isn't a dollar amount. If God, if you give 500, God's called you to give 5,000, that's disobedience. But if you give 5,000 and God said only give 500, that's disobedience. 
I think one's a little bit more preferred than the other. Um, <laughs> I kid. It's all good. You can laugh. The widow's might shows us it's not about the amount. And hear me, it's not just about the offering. It's not just about the money. Money just tends to get our attention. Jesus said that. He goes, I'm going to go after your money because it has your heart. So if I can get your money in the right spot, maybe I'll have your heart too. There's nothing in my life when I stop to look at my budget and what we're going to sow into makes me evaluate everything that we're involved in. It, it evaluates my, my calendar, my schedule. It evaluates how I spend or where I go buy coffee or how much it does. It evaluates what I'm looking at, what I'm spending time intentionally. And it, it, it affects everything. And I love Horizon because we get that. The stories in this room get it. Some of you are sitting here that no one would know your name, but the person next to you is sitting in a seat because you sacrificed deeply for that seat to be there. If you're sitting in this room, you're partaking in the fruit that was someone else's sowing in the season of drought. You need to know that. And it's great to be a part of it. But something's got to stir up in your spirit that says, I don't want to just be a part of it. God, I need a part in it. Lord, what are you asking me to do? What are you asking me to sow into? Is it serving? Is it volunteering? Is it giving? Whatever it is. But God, my life's got to be about legacy. What I'm a part of is bigger than me. So what about you this morning? Horizon Church is called to sow into certain things as a church, yes. But if you call Horizon Church home, you're also called to listen to the Holy Spirit and say, God, what are you asking me to sow? How are you asking me to sow? Where are you asking me to sow? I love the steps of obedience to sow of Numa Church with pastors Nick and Sarah. One of three of our church plants or campuses that planted a church in the middle of a pandemic. When everyone else says, hey, you probably shouldn't do this right now. And I, I remember talking to Nick, and I wasn't trying to be the devil's advocate, but I'm like, bro, are you sure you need to do this right now? Uh, my question is like, have you asked God if there's any other way? And he left, he, he laughed, he goes, do you not think that I've asked that? <laughs> but they left the UK to move here to Canada because they felt called to plant a life-giving church. And they said, that's just what we did. And if God called us then and he called us to plant now, he wasn't caught off. He wasn't caught by surprise that we're in the middle of a pandemic. So we just need to plant because there's people in South Surrey that need to know there's a God that loves them. There's people in South Surrey that need to know what it looks like to love and be loved by God. And so they begin to plant. And, and in the email, you'll hear some great stories. There's actually a little video clip because they were here for a bit. We got to send some people with them. People of legacy that understand it's my job to steward what God is asking me to do, the part I'm called to play. And man, one of my favorite parts of legacy, the third thing that legacy, people of legacy do is to pass it on. Verse four of chapter 26 says, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven. I will give you offspring, give your offspring these lands. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13. I referenced this earlier. It's the, the story of faith, the hall of faith. It's talking of all these incredible people, but by faith, by faith, by faith, they stepped out all the old, incredible stories. It says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them, greeted them from afar off, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on this earth. Being a person of legacy means that through eyes of faith, you do things today that will affect the day where you're no longer here. 
Like, What would it look like for the 22-year-old in this room to decide to handle your finances differently, to decide to rearrange your schedule differently, that you would be a part of seeing things started that your great-grandchildren one day would actually see the fruit of that you never would? Is what God's called you to that good? Is it big enough for you? Like, is it worth you saying yes to that? I get that that's hard because we, we like the, pro, you know, we want to see product. We want to see things. If I sow it, I want to reap it. I want to be like, like Isaac, sowed in the land, reaped a hundredfold. I like that promise. Let's keep that one going. And sometimes God tends to do that way, but I also know sometimes God calls people to faithfully be stewards and sow to pass on in faith the next generation things that they never see the fruit of. Are you okay with heaven being the only audience to the fruit of your labor? People of legacy understand that it's bigger than them. They have a part to play, but oh man, that part needs to get past them and passed on to the next generation. Isaac received and stewarded because he understood that if what he received wasn't passed on to him, it was for nothing. People of legacy understand that what they are called to is bigger than them, but they have a part to play and it can't end with them. Grace, if you want to hop up on the keys. Um, as I was praying for a legacy in this series, and my mind kept wandering to the things you leave once you're dead. And I remember God kind of stopped me in my study at one point in time. He says, Daniel, an inheritance is what you will leave when you die, but legacy is what you build by how you live. And I want to encourage some of you young people in this room right now. The word legacy can seem like that's so far off. Like, you know, when you're in high school and they talk about careers, you're like, I'm not there yet. I can't even get there if I wanted to. So I'm just going to be here. One day I'll get to that. No, no, legacy starts with the junior leaders who are giving of their time to serve in our children's ministry right now, about 15 of them. Say, my life's going to be about something beyond myself. Family. Your legacy, whether you have children or not, is built by how you live today. It's by the decisions you make. It's by how you talk. Being people of legacy, understand that it is being built daily. And can I encourage you? You are building a legacy, whether you like it or not, by the way. What's that legacy going to be about? If you were to close your eyes with me for a second. And you were to evaluate the totality of your life, not just finances. I know we're in the, the giving series, but everything. If you were to read the book of the conversations you had in your mind, the conversations you had with a friend, how you reacted to certain things, where you invested your time, how much time you spent on certain things, the time you spend investing and, and pouring into the kingdom of God, whether it's through serving or being a part of it, whatever it is, what would that legacy, if you were just to take this past year, what would the story of your legacy be? What would it say? As I sat down to do this while writing this message, I didn't like, if I'm honest with you, I didn't like everything that came to mind. I didn't like the legacy of how much time I waste watching TV. 
I didn't like the legacy of how much I worried about things that never actually came to fruition, but I just love to worry about it instead. There's some other things where I'm like, I'm glad my kids saw me doing that. I'm glad we have a legacy of having people in our homes to share meals. I'm glad we have a legacy of serving the house of God when it's fun and when it's not fun. I'm glad we have a legacy of pouring into my grade eight boys in my small group at youth because it is a sacrifice every single Wednesday to show up and volunteer my time there. But man, those boys matter because I'm leaving a legacy not just to my own children, but to the next generation of how to follow Jesus and what that looks like. See, I love Jewish festivals all throughout the Bible. They had kind of three purposes. They would gather and they were meant to remember a moment that happened, a moment where God did something significant. And when they would have this festival, they would also bring extravagant worship, sacrifices. Would have been like, you know, kind of like an offering where they'd, they'd give sacrifices. There's all these different things going on. But in the midst of everything going on, their children would be watching and asking questions. There was scheduled, annual scheduled parties that were meant to remember what they had received to bring an offering to steward what, what they, to make sure that continued to happen. Yet there was children watching so that what they were celebrating didn't end with them. It was passed on. Legacy, an unchanging mission for an ever-changing world. Living for legacy will often, more than not, affect your wallet. Because the reality is, I remember the year when I sat down and I had to uh, talk to our council and I think it was $7,000 for pizza for a year and, and I got called into a meeting to explain myself. I said, no, we're on 13 high schools doing Youth Alpha led by students and we're involved with a couple different youth ministries doing that but we're the only one that could probably have a budget to pay for that and there's lost children that wake up, there's lost high school students that don't know there's a God who loves them so we need to do something about it. Your legacy offering, yes, it has a dollar amount, but my God, it's about so much more. The simple reality is, is things cost money. Building schools costs money. Planting church costs money. Helping widows and orphans, it costs money. Feeding people who can't feed themselves, it costs money. And the, the Jewish community, they understood that in these celebrations, they understood like, of course what we're about, it's my whole life, what, what's needed? And what I love about Horizon is we've always been a church that gets that whatever it takes, that's why Pastors Jen and Praxis are in the town of Princeton right now. Because there was a need for the people of Princeton to have a life-giving church. There's a couple great churches, but it just began there as well. I don't mean to speak down to that, but God began to stir in Pastors Craig and Shanda and then in Jen and Praxis. And their beautiful family. That No, man, we need to do something in the city of Surrey. And you want to talk about hardships? They say, hey, we're, we're going to move to Princeton and Joel and Lana, we're, we're going to go. And they get there and then, boom, pandemic. You think going on Zoom was hard for you? I grew up in a small town. Try convincing small town folk to get on a computer and do church over Zoom. Talk about sewing in a drought. Like, small town don't do computers. That's one of the things I love about small towns. But they'll be, okay, so we'll go online. And then in, in 2021, they're able to have their first in-person service in July. And they're going for three months. And then atmospheric rains happen. 
and their church floods and their towns and, and then they're back online and trying to do this all the while saying, God, you've called us. I can't tell you how many Zoom calls with Jen in staff and he said, I just gotta keep remembering this is what God has called us to do. This is what God has called us to do. This is what God has called us to do. We can't have a church service, but man, I had two conversations with moms who were struggling with their kids that were fantastic. Oh, we can't have a church service yet, but man, City Hall keeps calling me and every event they wanna plan for the city, they come to me because they know that we'll help in some way, shape or form. Man, we can't have a service yet, but hey, we we do a cleanup for the city or for the town of Princeton, when the person running it goes, you need to talk to Jen because they're connected to people in Surrey who will come help and clean up. That's what legacy is about. It's reminding yourself of the unchanging mission when there's drought, when there's storm. People of legacy receive, they steward, but they also understand that, man, it has to get past us. And Jen and Praxis and the church, this last, and there, there'll be more in the email about some incredible things that are happening, but 121 bags to the elementary, or gifts like we do here to the elementary school happening up there. We had 15 people last month going through Grow. That's bigger than the church was before. But 15 new people saying, hey, I'm a person of legacy. I need to be about it. I don't want to just come to church to receive. I want to get involved. I want to reach my town. People of legacy understand that what they're called to is bigger than them, but they have a part to play and it can't end with them. So I want to end with this question. What is God asking you to sow during this legacy? And can I, can I challenge you? The widow's might tells us that everyone can give. But on the same hand, I please don't limit what you're thinking to, to a financial donation. Because if you were to give and it wasn't to affect the rest of your life, that's not legacy. But the simple reality is that being a person of legacy will affect your wallet. And sometimes it's hard. And sometimes it's not as hard. And other times your phone goes off with a really great giggle. Whatever that was, Sarah, that was fantastic. People of legacy. What are you building today? Can I, can I speak to some of this? And it's not just because I help run our grow. This place needs you, not just so that all of us can partake in it, but because as, as you get involved and discover what you were called to and you practice it here, please don't. God hasn't gifted you just to make this place good. This is practice so that when you go Monday to Friday that you can discover your gifting, develop it, and use it in the world around us. We need prophets. We need teachers. We need people of hospitality as much, as much in the workplace as we do to enjoy nice coffee and an atmosphere here on a Sunday. Amen? But if you're yet to be engaged with serving or re-engaged in serving, can I challenge you just to ask, where would that be? Gentlemen, shameless plug. We have far too many young men in our youth ministry without a, a, a dad figure to look up to to mentor them week in and week out. It is an incredible sacrifice, absolutely. But can I tell you, it's so life-giving. Talk about legacy. People that don't have fathers that walk in faith, to have someone they can look up to to show them what it means to be a man of God in today's culture. We tend to have more girls than guys. It's not that there's not a need for girls, but there's definitely a need for guys. Kids, whatever it is, what is God asking you to sow? Because sometimes I think we don't always understand what legacy looks like. So dad and Katie, I want to give you a few examples. Get my dad to come up. And Katie, if you can hear me, oh, there you are. It just happened that my dad, we, we came back from a non-vegan uh, trip. Um, 
of organic grocery shopping. And so he was here. Like I shared a little bit today, what does legacy mean? I'm a part of something much deeper. Our grandfather, my grandfather, my dad's dad, who wasn't able to be here today, gave his life to Jesus and, and, and a life where it was imperfect, but he was trying and shared the gospel. He was a bush pilot all over the northern part of BC, but my dad grew up knowing that they were called to be about the gospel in the church. And I remember growing up and the, the legacy wasn't necessarily my dad saying, this is what our family's about. I remember his blue leather bound Bible that sat next to our couch. And I could see that it was used. It wasn't just decorative. I remember the Tuesday mornings where my dad began to say, hey, let's get up at six in the morning. We're gonna go to the church for early morning prayer. We have Tuesday night prayer, you're welcome. We had 6 a.m. morning prayer before school. I remember the loony conversation where he taught me. And today that's one of the things that sticks me. When I tithe, I remember it's not mine to keep. It's mine to give and worship. And I walk in what I walk in because there was a legacy before me. And it wasn't perfect. Some of you know their story. And I, I also inherited a legacy of humility that understands when I make a mistake, God is there to forgive, that I don't have to have it figured out. And now I have my son, Wyatt. Yeah, Wyatt. I always confuse it with my nephew. It's all good. That he gets to grow up. And that hopefully he doesn't have to fight the same battles that I fought or my dad fought. But there'll be new ones. And hopefully what I can instill in him is that what he is a part of is so much bigger than him. He already wants to preach. It's fantastic. But maybe you're like, Daniel, I didn't grow up in a Christian family. Mark, come up on the stage. Some of you have heard the story of my neighbor, Mark, that two years ago I got the absolute privilege of standing in that front row and praying with Mark as he gave his life to Jesus. Didn't grow up in a family home or in a church family. Talk about starting a new legacy. If you didn't grow up with a legacy, oh, Daniel, I can't. You can start it today that God will put his finger on you and say, you're called to be a part of something more. And what I love about Mark is his, in his brokenness and trying to stumble his way to Jesus, which let's be honest, that's all of us. We just get better at hiding it that his daughter right now is serving in junior leaders, that his family maybe didn't start as a family of faith, but his family will continue as a family of faith because he understood there was a stewardship that he was called to, to go beyond. Maybe like Daniel, it's too, too late for me. Hugh, why don't you come up to the stage? One of my other friends, Hugh Black, you might've seen him today as he was ushering and serving in the house. It was a couple Easter's ago where Hugh emailed us said, hey, I'm kind of checking you out online, but I need to get baptized. Hugh grew up with a, a Catholic mom and a dad that was very much against any type of religious aspect. And it wasn't until he was in his 60s that Hugh received the love of Jesus. And many would say like, ah, oh, it's, it's too far. It's, you know, I, I don't know if we can, like, it's too late. But what I love about Hugh is the second he got baptized, where can I help? Where can I invest? Where can I serve? Legacy doesn't have a time stamp on it. Doesn't have an expiration date. We're called to be people of legacy. And I asked her to come up, but unfortunately she's busy running our kids ministry with Jacob and Carly on vacation. But Aisha, if you're like, Daniel, I'm not old enough. Aisha is what was one of our intern for a while and now she's one of our volunteers, a small group leader, but she's leading kids church right now. First Christian in her family, got saved as a young adult. 
didn't grow up with it, don't, don't have kids to pass it on, but understands that legacy starts today. It's not when I have kids. It's not when I have a better job. Tithing doesn't get easier with the more money you have. Just a heads up. It was a whole lot easier tithing that dollar than it was tithing today. And this is just an example. What does legacy mean? This is why we give. This is why we invest. This is why we help plant churches because there's more marks out there that need people who receive Jesus and then just learn to have a conversation with their neighbor and buy them a coffee at Starbucks. We need families that are growing up in the house of the Lord, friends. We need to be people of legacy. That understand that what we're a part of is so much bigger than us, but we absolutely have a part to play. But we always have eyes to the future, understanding that, man, it's got to get past me. So as we actually close, not a fake close, we're going to go. <laughs> this week, I'd love to ask you to consider, take one of those cards, some of you don't. Just simply say, God, in this, in this one area, financially, what's my stewardship look like? Just Listen. Next week, we'll be taking up our legacy offering. Once you do that part, a little bit more of a harder part, say, okay, God, with everything else in my life, what does it look like for me to be a person of legacy? Jesus, we love you. God, it's just wild to me that you chose just such broken people to be the mirrors of you to the broken world around us, to show people what it looks like to love and be loved by God. So God, I pray that you would strengthen us, Lord, as we just stop to consider what our obedience to stewardship of the legacy would be for us. Lord, I pray if there's any compulsion, uh, any feel like any, any force, Lord, that that would just be gone. Lord, that's not your heart. That's not our heart. But Spirit, would you speak to us? Give us ears to hear and a heart to obey. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.